Go ahead and be opening up your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be reading verse 8 through 11 here in just a moment. Uh, but we're talking about this life unchained. And, you know, we've seen on the news the last uh, week uh, all these pictures and, and videos of, of what real war looks like uh, uh, there in, in Ukraine. And I hope you recognize we are in a real war spiritually. And uh, it is just as violent and, uh, and uh, uh, grotesque and uh, should be just as big a burden uh, in our own lives as well. The difference in the battle that we fight and the battle that's being warged on the other side of the world right now is that, uh, number one, uh, we have all the resources we need. Everything that we need has been provided for us. And the weapons that have been given to us are mighty, are mighty to the pulling down of all strongholds that the enemy not, might build up against us. And not only do we have everything that we need, but number two, we have already won the victory. Uh, Jesus has already won the victory for us. And so we're not fighting, trying to achieve victory. We're fighting from a place that we already have Victory. Matter of fact, right behind me on that wall there, that's not a symbol of death and defeat. That's a symbol of victory is what it is. Things changed when Jesus died on the cross uh, for our sins and when he rose uh, from the dead. And so we're talking about in Romans chapter 6 that victory that we have in Christ, which is characterized, which is lived out as a life of freedom. Romans chapter 6, uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 8 this morning where he says, Now, if we died with Christ, and we spent uh, last Sunday talking about that truth of what it means to die with Christ. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you, us, also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, John Owens, who wrote a book back in the 1800s that is just got some powerful truths in it. It's not the easiest read in the world. It's called The Mortification of Sin. And when he wrote this book, and one of the things that he says uh, in the introduction and stuff to that book is that he said there are two challenges. In the 1800s, the same challenges that faced the church then are the same challenges that face us today. He said two challenges that we face in, in preaching the gospel and, and sharing the truth <coughs> with uh, the people of God and with people in general. He said this, number one, it's persuading the lost that they are under the dominion of sin. 
Lost want to think that everything is okay and they don't realize they're under the dominion of sin. He said, but number two, it's persuading the saved that we are no longer under the dominion of sin. And that's what we need to realize. We've talked about here in Romans chapter 6 about this wonderful gift of grace that God has not only given us grace that means that when we die we can go to heaven, but he has given us grace that in the meantime before we die we can live a life of victory and freedom here on this earth because when he died we died with him those of us when you believe when you put your faith in Christ you're placed in Christ and his death applies to you therefore we're freed from sin and now we're seeing as he gets more into it here that not only have we died to sin but we have a new life just like Jesus was raised from the dead his resurrection is our resurrection and we have new life we are free we are no longer slaves to sin we are dead to sin, but we're not only dead to sin. We have been set free. We have victory. We are alive to God and can live out a righteous life through the living Christ who lives in us. Matter of fact, in this passage of Scripture, that he repeats this over and over again in uh, four different times. In verse 8, he talks about the fact that we shall also live with him. And then in verse 9, he talks about the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. And then in verse 10, he talks about the fact that the life that we live, we live to God. And then in verse 11, he talks about that we are alive to God. So there it is, life, live, alive, resurrection. He's talking about real life. The root of all these words is the this word zao, when he's talking about life, when he's talking about living. And he's not just talking about breathing and your heart beating and that type of, of physical life, but he is talking about the essence of life. He's talking about what we do and how we live. He's talking about a life of joy, a life that is really lived out through this body. We experience real joy, real freedom, real power, real victory, real life. And that's what we have in Jesus Christ. And if that's what you're not experiencing right now, you're living beneath your privilege, beneath the blessing that God has won for you. He has brought it into our lives. And so I want us to, to look at this call to a life of victory, a life of freedom with God and victory over sin in our lives. There's three key words that we need to uh, appropriate to experience this life that he has here. And, and verse 8, he talks about believing. Look in, look in verse 8, and he says there that now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. And so we need to believe that we have this life. It's one thing for me to get up here and preach it, but I can't believe it for you. If you're saved, you need to believe that as Jesus saved you, he has given you new life. He's given you life. The word believe there, it means to, it doesn't just mean to figure it out in your head, all right? It, it means to put your weight upon this truth, to give yourself to this truth, to truly incorporate it into your life, to accept it as true to the point that you all, it alters your life. That's the belief that he is talking about. See, we need to believe, first of all, that he is alive. Sometimes we take that for granted, but that, I mean, we, we, we 
Easter's coming up before too long and stuff, and we talk about the resurrection, we need to believe that Jesus really did, really was raised from the dead. That miracle really did happen. He really did die on the cross. His heart stopped beating. He died. Uh, the, 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 the life, the blood stopped flowing. Uh, he stopped breathing. All of that happened there uh, on the cross. But then on the third day, he really was raised from the dead. It really happened. Matter of fact, when Paul is writing this book to the Romans, there are firsthand witnesses that saw Jesus Christ walking on this earth after his death and resurrection that are still living. The people in Rome can look them up and talk to them. They're, they're still around. And so that, that is going on there. We don't have those firsthand witnesses, but we have the writings of the firsthand witnesses that are here before us, and we have the Holy Spirit that was there living within us. Let me tell you, Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus really did pay the price. He really did die for our sins. But then on the third day, he was raised from the dead, and that's the receipt that God gave us to let us know that everything Jesus did on the cross worked. And that he purchased, a receipt means a purchase has been made. And understand the purpose, the purchase that was made. Jesus not only paid the price for your sins, but what did he purchase for you? He purchased for each one of us freedom and a victorious life over sin. That's what he paid for. Are you living it out? Do you believe? Do you believe that's what he did See, we need to not only believe that he is alive, but we also need to believe that we are alive. That's what he's talking about there in verse 8. He says, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. That we are alive. Remember, we talked about last week that how when you're saved, you're not only does Christ come to live within you, but your life is placed in Christ. Therefore, when he died, you died. When he rose, you arose. His death is ours, and his life is ours as well. The resurrection was, was more than just a miracle. It was the greatest miracle that there's ever been. It was a tremendous miracle, but it was more than just a miracle. His resurrection was a display of the life that is available to everyone that is in Christ. We have his life. He lives within us and we are in him. We have not only the forgiveness of sins, but we have his life of freedom and victory is available for us all to experience. Do you believe? We need to believe that we have his life. And then not only that, but we need to engage with his life. See, not only does he talk about believing, but he talks about knowing. Look with me in verse 9. He says, knowing, we believe and we know, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. And did you notice the order here? Believing comes before knowing. See, we want to know and then we will believe. That's not real faith. We need to believe, and once you believe, God will help you to know. And you don't know all the facts. You don't know all the reasoning behind it. You just know that it's true because you're experiencing it in your life. Matter of fact, that's what the word know means. 
We talked about it last week, how this knowing is more than just, than just knowing it in our heads. It's experiencing it in our lives. It's engaging with the truth that we believe in our lives. And we not only know that it actually happened, but we know that Jesus is real because we're meeting with him every day. He's living in our life. We know that the victory is there because we're walking out the victory in our life. And so we need to engage with what we believe in. We need to engage with his life. What does this mean? It means we are freed from the dominion of death. We need to engage this truth. That's what he's talking about there in verse 9, where he says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. And we died with him, and we were raised with him, so death no longer has dominion over us as well. See, Jesus met sin's requirement, but whose sin? Mine. He, let, he met the requirement not for his sin, but for my sin. The wages of sin is death, and Jesus died our death. He did that for us. And so sin can't come back and require a payment because it's already been paid. We, we are no longer under the dominion of death. We owe sin nothing because the debt has been paid by Jesus. We are therefore freed from the dominion of death. Sin has no more claim to us. The chains are gone. We're no longer slaves to sin. Know it. Engage this truth. Quit living like you are. Believe it and know it. We're freed from the dominion of death, and then we're also freed to live unto God. That's what he says there in verse 10 where he says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. I love that word all. Because when he says all, I can put me in all. <laughs> Doug's in all. You're in all. That's all of us here. All of us that have been born again can experience that. And if you haven't been born again, you can be born again and you can get in on this all. Because Jesus died for all. He paid the price for your sins. And so you can experience this. You can be free to live unto God. See, because this is true, I am free. We are free. And sin has no more claim on our life. We have new life in him. We have resurrection life in us. And we are free to live for God and to live with God every moment of every day. He says there, he says he lives to God. We live unto God. That means that the living God is with me. The living God lives within me in the person of the Holy Spirit. He is with me every moment of every day. And therefore, his life is in me. His life of victory is in me. His life of freedom is in me. His life of, of dominion over sin is within me. I'm free to live unto God. And therefore, because that is true, guess Guess what? What I never did before, I can do now. Through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, I can live a life that brings glory and honor to the one true God and the Savior of the world. I couldn't do it before. But I can now. Because I am freed to live unto God. So what do we need to do? We need to live out this life. We need to live out his life. We need to believe. 
We need to know, engage the truth of the death and resurrection of Christ as it applies to us in our lives. And so we need to live this out. Verse 11 says, Likewise, you also reckon. There's the third word. Believe, know, and reckon. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon. That's a good King James or even New King James word that is there. And I, I like the word that is there. You know, some want to translate it into something, but sometimes when you try to translate a translation and stuff like that, you begin to lose the power of the word. Because the word actually, it, it, it's, it's an accounting term, the, the original word that is used here. It's, it means to, to look over your account. This is a beautiful picture that Paul is giving us too. The account of our hearts, the account of our souls. If you have been born again, listen to me. If you've been born again and you look at the account of your life, you will find that in the, in the account of your heart has been deposited freedom and victory and everything that you need to live for Christ. It's all there. It's all in your account. You didn't put it there. Jesus put it there. And he put everything you need and then some. It is, by the way, it's an endless supply. It's what John was talking about. And we looked at that. And we're looking at the, the call to those who are thirsty. He said, out of you will flow rivers of living water. What he's talking about is gushing springs that will never run out. It's not an account that's going to run dry or you're going to get low on or something like that. Every time you go there, it's going to be all that you need and more. It's an endless supply of victory and freedom that is in Christ. Jesus has made the deposit. He's made the deposit into your life. It's there. It's there. It's in that uh, account as well. And not only that, but this is how we live out this life. We must make the transaction. We've got to bring that out into our lives. We've got to, for you old school folks like me, we've got to write the check. For you new school folks, you need to make the transaction using Venmo or Google Pay or, or something like that or uh, uh, Apple Pay. You know, you, gotta, you, you need to, to, to do that. You need to swipe the card. Every, see, that's what, this is the practical part of it. What he's talking about, reckoning this into our lives, is that every time temptation comes, every time sin comes knocking at your door, every time the enemy comes knocking at your door, you've got everything that you need. You just need to make the transaction. You need to bring it into your life. When temptation comes, live out of the deposit of Christ in you. The living Christ lives in you. The Christ who never gave in to temptation lives in you. The Christ who won the victory for you on the cross lives in you. The Christ who was raised from the dead and, and brings eternal life, he lives within us. Everything that we need is found in him. He is the deposit. And that's why it never runs out. And so what, would we, what do we need to do? We just need to make the choice. And I want to spend the next few minutes here just talking about some application here. Uh, R.G. Lee, who was a pastor at Bellevue back before Adrian Rogers, way back when, uh, R.G. Lee uh, would, uh, tells the story of when he went to Israel. Uh, he was there, and they were showing the sites and stuff, and they came to the place that... Uh, of the supposed place of the crucifixion. 
And when they got there, the tour guide spoke up, you know, and was telling them this is where we are. This is where they think that Jesus actually died on the cross for our sins. And he asked the question, says, have any of you ever been here before? And of course, most of the folks had never been to Israel before, but R.G. Lee raised his hand. Now, he had never been to Israel before. And so when he raised his hand, he said, when were you here? He said, 2,000 years ago, I was here with Jesus. And that's true, every one of us that are believers in Christ, we were there, and listen to this, the Christ who died on the cross is right here. The Christ who rose from the dead is right here. Every time temptation comes, he does not run. He will never leave you or forsake you. Yes, that is comforting in times of trouble, but that is victory in times of temptation. He is with us. He lives with us. So here comes the temptation, the temptation to to get angry, the temptation to say something we shouldn't say, the temptation to participate in gossip and slander someone that, that God has commanded us not to do, the temptation to lust. The temptation to lie, to make ourselves look better or to make the situation look better. The temptation to to not serve when the opportunity comes to serve and to minister to someone. The temptation to not witness when the opportunity comes to share our faith and tell somebody about Jesus. Temptation is out there everywhere, but that temptation comes. And so we must make the choice. And here's the choice, forgiveness or freedom. That's the choice of a believer. And it is either forgiveness or freedom. Understand what, I, what I'm saying here. You see, you can't, when Jesus, if you're truly born again and Jesus lives within you, you can sin, but you can't sin to the point that you lose your temptation. I mean, you lose your salvation. And so that, that, that truth is, 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 is there and the Holy Spirit lives within us, but still the old flesh comes in and there is a choice that, that we can walk in, either forgiveness or freedom. This is what I mean by forgiveness. Jesus has paid, already paid the price for our sins. And so he doesn't have to go get back on the cross when we sin. You understand that? And so even the sins that I commit after I'm saved they will be forgiven. I will not be kept out of heaven. Why? Because I deserve that? Because I've earned that? No, because Jesus paid it all. That's the, the that's truth of Scripture that we need to believe. But when we choose forgiveness, what I'm saying is that all enters into our mind and Satan's good about twisting things up. And he'll say, okay, here's this temptation. And Satan will come and he'll whisper in our ears and say, hey, just go ahead and give in this one time. Jesus has already paid for that sin, which he has. See, he twists the truth. And he says, Jesus has already paid for that. Just just go ahead and enjoy that sin, and then you can get forgiveness later. That's the choice that we have. Give in to the sin and count on the forgiveness of God. The problem with that is that when we make that choice of forgiveness, that is, number one, that's flesh-desiring. 
That's what the flesh is pulling us to. And no flesh can, can, can be in the glory of God, can be in the presence of, uh, of God. And, and so we, we give in to that. The, the flesh, and, and listen, the flesh is, is real. It still speaks to us. But understand, believe what we've been saying. It has no power over us. It is, the chains have been broken. It can tell us that we must do this, but it is lying because we don't have to do it. But the flesh is lying to us. The flesh is pulling, desires of the flesh are, are pulling against us and then number two it is grace abusing that's the wrong view of grace verse one what does he say he says what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound god forbid don't abuse the grace of god matter of fact we're going to talk a little bit later in romans 6 about presuming upon the grace of god and how dangerous that is but that's when we move toward okay i'll be forgiven i'm going to give in to this temptation that's a choice that we have. Or we can make the second choice, which is freedom, and say, no, I do not have to give in to my flesh. I have been set free, so I'm going to live a life that honors God. I'm scared, I'm nervous, but I'm going to go ahead and tell this person about Jesus and let the Holy Spirit use it however he wants to, to do. Yes, I want to defend myself and I'm upset and angry, but I'm going to hold my tongue because I don't want to say anything that will dishonor my God and be a poor witness for him because God has set me free. Everything, the Holy Spirit is within me. I have everything that I need. I'm just going to step out in freedom and I'm going to honor God. That's the choice we have. Every time temptation comes, forgiveness or freedom. Freedom, we have the, the Spirit's enabling to do that. The Holy Spirit lives within us. The, matter of fact, the Holy, listen to this. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of the resurrected Jesus. And that means his resurrection life, the Holy Spirit brings into us. His victorious life, he brings into us. We have the power to do it, and we can live a life that will bring glory to Jesus, that glorifies him. That's the goal of this life. As a matter of fact, everything the Holy Spirit leads us to do and enables us to do will glorify Jesus Christ. And so that's the choice. Forgiveness or freedom. I share this with you, and, I, and I, there have been different ways that I've approached this in my walk with God, but when I was back a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, looking in Romans 6, and God began giving me this analogy, I wanted to flesh it out before you, and let me just tell you, it works. There have been several times of temptation that have come into my life, and I've asked the Holy Spirit, I ask Him every day to do, remind me of the choices that I have. And that the Holy Spirit will come and say, okay, you're going to walk in forgiveness or freedom. And I say, I choose freedom. And the Holy Spirit says, I do too. <laughs> and he gives me strength to say no. Now, that I had always chosen that every time, but it is working in my life. And it will work in your life as well. I say, it will work. It's not an it, it's an him. It's Jesus Christ living within us. Let me, I, I want to make this clear. We're going into our invitation time, but I want to make this very clear. Jesus is not a tool to doing right. Jesus is Jesus. <laughs> he is. He's the goal. He is everything. And we have Jesus. 
And let's live. See, that's what we're talking about. Living out this relationship in a practical way. Living out not just the, the fact that I'm going to heaven one day because of Jesus, but I have life and freedom and victory right now. What we need to do is we need to admit that we've got a problem, that we haven't been living this out, and we need to ask for help. And let me tell you something. This morning, Jesus is ready to help you. That's all he's waiting on is you to ask him. And he will enable every one of us here that knows Jesus Christ to walk in freedom and victory this week. Do you want it? Or better yet, do you want him? This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.